Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offers the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. What's up, y'all? I'm Amanda Seals, and listen, I get it. We're in some serious times, so I think some of y'all forgot I'm a comic. She had them jokes. I mean, you forgot I had a whole HBO comedy special. I be you forgot I showed love to how black women give compliments. Okay, polka dots. And threw shade to how white women move in corporate America. Stop CCing all these unnecessary people on these goddamn emails. I get it. We've been cooped up for a long time. That's why the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again Comedy Tour is coming to a city near you. Go to amandaseals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together. How black am I going to have to get? Coming to you live from Glendale, California in 2019, it's Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just a radar fence, listen to them talking to Mike. Not actually live, by the way. This is very pre-recorded. And, it is uh, a 2019, though. That that part was true. Happy 2019, everyone. Hope you enjoyed uh, winter break. Happy. Uh, hope you had a, an excellent, happy Honda days. My big bitch. We took a couple weeks off and uh, showed you guys some uh, Patreon interviews that we hope you like. They're our favorite ones. I think at the end of this episode, we should clip together. What happened was uh, we went to Baltimore and we're supposed to record podcasts. And then I spiked the punch with St. John's Wort. And so I have about a half an hour's worth of outtakes that I should post at the end of this episode or as bonus get, content. Did you know you can get high on St. John's Wort? <laughs> you, know you, you can get, get fucked, fucked up, up. <laughs> off St. John's Wort. <laughs> Had anyone even heard of St. John's Wort before this? Because I hadn't. Jess was just like, Aaron, look, St. John's Wort. It's pretty great. It's healthy. It's going to help uh, protect you from hangovers. That's a that's her voice, by yeah. the way. That's <laughs> interesting. Hey, it's going to help you. Good uh, to know. Just uh, open your mouth and I'm going to pour half a bottle into it. <laughs> oh, I came home and looked Je- at the dose, too. Yeah. It was so much. We took so much. Jess's, Jess's doses of everything is just like, just take a handful it's garlic pills. Just take a handful of garlic pills. Uh, and so then when it comes to St. John's Wort, she's like, yeah, we'll just we'll just take a handful. And um, what had happened was that I mixed it up with something else. But this story is on the outtakes. But anyway, uh, we got too fucked up. I got too fucked up on St. John's Wort's to uh, effectively record a podcast that didn't suck. And twice. And so... You got some Patreon I, bonus episodes. I, I don't know why you've been telling them that. I liked pretending that that was our plan all along. That, uh, you know, like this podcast seemed, is about candid honesty, Aaron. 
Sorry. I like them thinking that we're smarter uh, than we are. We are truthfully pro- the best procrastinators in the world. And just like things just turn out well for us. And it just... Uh, um, I it like did pre- turn out well for it us. Did, it did, yeah. but I like pretending that it was our plan all along. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell the truth. Well. They love us because we are flawed. Also, I want to drop that clip of us, of me, like, <laughs> You no couldn't breathe. breathe. <laughs> she, she kept stopping because she was like, hold on, I'm out of breath. <laughs> in that one, in the, in the Christmas episode that we, that we did, that one we got recorded, I edited it, and I, there were so many stretches of her just breathing. Like I would finish telling, a story, I would like ask you a question or something to turn it back over to you. You would say one <laughs> sentence and then be like, hold on. I gotta, like I, just I just gotta catch my, I gotta catch steps. my breath. And this is before we know what the St. John's Ward is doing. <laughs> that was the episode that we did finish. Then we like started another one afterward and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, but even, even in that, that one was salvageable. I could just cut all these pieces, but you were like having a heart attack. <laughs> Did you know you could overdose on Listen, John's? the next day I felt fucking fantastic. <laughs> I felt so good the next day. I had an excellent next day. So highly recommend uh, overdose. I had mixed them together with a bottle of 5-HTP. That's a quote that's going to be taken out of context <laughs> for sure. That's going to be on memes and t-shirts. Um, I highly recommend an overdose. Jessa Reed so fun was this a cool thing when you're sober <laughs> is that you can get fucked up fucked up off of st john's Wort. i mean you were it like sucked it was not a fun high like had it wasn't it was very it was just angsty and so you're supposed to take a, uh, about uh, between three and five hundred milligrams a day and i didn't bring the bottle though i had poured it into a bottle of 5 htp which is what i meant to take and so uh we took four <laughs> And they were each 450 milligrams. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So we took 1,400 milligrams yeah. of something you're supposed to take 300 of. Yeah. Tight. <laughs> Jessa seems so wise so much of the time. But if you do not check her math, there's like every once in a while. You just as soon as you she lulls you into sleep and you're just like you know she has offered me a lot of crazy stuff in the past like I she she shoved powdered magnesium spoonfuls of powdered magnesium into my face and I thought that was crazy but that turned out okay so powdered sure. magnesium fixes everything <laughs> it does it fixes everything it is it cures all things I am it was weird the whole thing was uh, weird circumstances and I live most of my life through. A willingness to experience things and a willingness to make mistakes and fall on my face and have fun and and uh, get a good story out of it. And so, I make huge mistakes all the time, but I just I usually just come out like it's fine. But I think part of the reason that I come out like it's fine is because I'm uh, not a big regret person. Um, I feel like most people, if they burned holes into their eyes and were mildly blind afterwards, I think they would feel more or lost all their teeth. I just think that I they would feel more remorse or guilt or, or regret or something. And I'm just like, well, it's a fucking tiger that earned her stripes <laughs> through her macula. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. Speaking of regret, can we talk about New Year's Eve? Please. I've... Uh... 
I've seen other people talking about the story, and I have yet to get the full story of your New Year's Eve. I would love to hear it. Um, I want to do an episode about sex. Maybe we can record that today. But um, in past episodes that we recorded about sex, I uh, we didn't hadn't talked about the fact that we were fucking yet, and so everyone I was talking about on that episode having sex with was just a euphemism for you. And so it sounds like I fuck way more than I do, but I've actually got massive hangups around sex that I'm trying to figure out. And uh, I um, talk myself out. I had an open marriage and never slept with anybody and then got separated and, and slept with you. And then that was it. And I, um, will every once in a while force myself to do it, force my like try to push myself and then it's a disaster. So I, I did it once uh, a few months ago and somebody kept taking the condom off and uh, I was like, this is That's just not a euphemism for me, by the way. No, this that is, is not. That's someone besides Aaron. And it was uh, to the point where I was like, Oh, so I'm going to get raped right now. Like, cause he just kept taking the condom off and, and wouldn't listen when I said stop. And so then that just like reaffirms whatever like fear is it shit. The same condom. No, I just kept put putting new condoms on. He's just, he's just burning through condoms. Yeah, he was just wasting all the condoms and then was like taking them off when I was like behind my back and stuff. And so that just sent me like further into the into my corner. And I do things like I pick people apart and I'm like, uh, I don't like the way that his eyebrows sit. And if a guy tells me that he likes to eat pussy before we hook up, I will not hook up with him, which is every dude does that. But if so, if, if guys, cause they all say it like they're the first man to have ever <laughs> thought to say this. It's like, yeah, uh, I'm not like the other dudes. I like to eat pussy. And I'm like, yeah, I know you read that somewhere. Also. I hate that. I hate, uh, having that done to me. It makes my feet burn. So it's not impressive, but it's also so hack that I'm like, well, I'm never having sex with you. Also, we're not compatible if that's what you're into. Um, I she's laying a lot of good tips down today. Everybody, everyone who wants to sleep with Jessa is taking notes. Yes. There's uh, also there's a whole list of words you can't say to Jessa. It, I've gotten so much better. I, I, I say you. come now all the time. I can't say horny, come, is, come, still, come. horny is still hard. So now I call it the H word. But uh, I can let That's other so people. That's so much worse. Do uh, you say I, I am really H word right now? No, I say it ironically rarely. But uh, <laughs> I can tolerate other people saying it it used to be it would gross me out so bad if someone else said it anyway these are all obviously defense mechanisms right so i have all these hyperactive defense mechanisms that stop people from getting close to me stop me from experiencing any type of intimacy my entire life sex had to be bad it had to be uh you know dark you mean. darks uh, rape it had to be rape for a long time and we've learned this year that that's because my body feels like it's being raped no matter what so it's i wanted the sex to line up with that after sex i feel this overwhelming dread and shame like i've done something wrong like guilt and remorse that i can't shake it just sits on me i didn't feel that with three people in my life i guess four uh, the four times I've been in love, I was like, those are people I was able to have sex with and not have any of that. But every other time I've had sex, I just like walk around with this feeling for a couple days afterwards, um, in addition to a UTI. <laughs> my strategy for, I walk around with this feeling in my urethra for a couple <laughs> days. This guilt, this guilt and shame. burning in my... <laughs> 
I, for the last, my strategy for overcoming anything, I believe it's all programming. It's all sitting somewhere inside of you. And my strategy is burn it out. And my strategy is flood it, go in and uh, push all of the buttons at once, override the system until you've, till you become numb, till you become desensitized. And that's how I deal with a lot of things. Unfortunately, I think that I need some level of self-preservation when it comes to sex. You should have some protect, you know, some uh, protective mechanisms, but I'm not listening to any of them. So this is the story of me not listening to any uh, of the voices in my head trying to save me from an awful night. Uh, New Year's Eve, I'm in Delaware and I go out for New Year's Eve uh, to a bar, which is the first time I've done that, I think since 2000. 2000 was the last time I remember being out at a bar for just New Just for New Year's, you mean? Yeah. Okay. The, uh, I haven't done a New Year's y- celebration. The millennium. That's... It was a big one. Y2K? Fuck yeah. We didn't know if the entire, like, everything was going to turn off the second it turned no midnight. No New Year's has ever been as good. Mm-hmm. It won't be. No. We'll never have that again. Damn Although it. I did turn around and watch uh, my just recently ex-boyfriend and best friend make out at that. That was the, when the Ukrainian and I broke up and he got together with this traitor bitch. And uh, I remember standing there while they made out, just being like, this is this fucking bitch. <laughs> so early on that trip, I had had sex with a friend and it was fine, but I felt terrible. Right? So uh, I felt all the guilt and shame. And so my strategy was to just keep going until I felt better. We go to this New Year's party and I think to myself, if I can uh, get the hottest guy here who doesn't have a date, then I will take him home and have casual sex with him. And I successfully, the first guy I looked at, Hell an yeah. hour later, successfully, uh, I found him watching me dancing. And then I was just so confident and walked Hell up. Hell yeah. And uh, he said, you're hot. And I was <laughs> like, what's your uh, Instagram? That I was your... F- I didn't want to exchange numbers. Okay. Uh, just in case. And so I, but I wanted to be able to find him if I lost him. He said, You're so hot. And you said, What's your Instagram? Yeah. Uh, confident, not necessarily smooth, but he did. I think that's smooth. It's smooth. Pretty good. Okay. So also, he gave me his Instagram, but it was like uh, he hadn't accepted it yet. So I couldn't see any uh, maybe clues as to what I was getting Uh-oh. myself into. Okay. Uh, we danced for a little bit. He was bad at dancing, Damn which uh, red flag because I think if you're bad at dancing, then you probably can't fuck. Exactly. I then uh, grabbed him by his hair and made out with him on the dance floor. And he was also not good at kissing. That's uh, a bigger red flag. Yeah. And I, by this point, was just kind of into what I was doing. So I was like grabbing him and pulling him close and making out with him, whatever. We leave and I have to drive my sister back. 45 minutes in the opposite direction of his house. The first conversation that I had with him, I asked him, do you have a place? So not only did you guys buy $100 tickets to go to a bar for an hour, but you picked a bar that was an hour away from She you. just lives so far out that there's nothing okay. out there because it's Delaware. Um, there's like one city that has everything. 
So, but he lived near there. And at the very beginning, I said, do you have your own place? He said, yes. I said, is anyone staying at your place tonight? And he said, no. Like I was very, very obvious from the beginning because I was going to move on if this dude had like five roommates or something. So he said, yeah, he has his own place. It's nearby, which uh, he seems pretty young, but uh, it's still doable in Delaware because everything's so cheap. So, uh, but now we got to drive 45 minutes in the opposite direction. And during that 45 minute drive, I realized that I have picked up one of these, uh, trust fund yo boys. Uh, like that's, that's the guy that you picked up. The, yeah. The kid. Okay. He didn't talk in the Sorry, bar. For some reason, I thought you just like found another person yeah, like in your car. Just You're like, like a hitchhiker on get, the side of the road. How did you get in here? Jar of money. Uh, no, when he, cause he didn't talk in the bar much at all. And so then once we got in the car, I was like, oh no, this <laughs> is worst case scenario. I asked him where he lived. Uh, he said the Kesson. And I was like, excuse me? And he said, the Kesson? And I just like looked back at my sister, like, are you familiar with this city? It's Delaware, you know? Mm-hmm. And he said, like, ho Kesson. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to need to fuck this guy within the next 10 minutes because if he talks again, this is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. What kind of city is Hokesson? The richest part. It's the part of town that I would drive to so I could use that are shit. It's a, like where all the rich people live. A kind of town that you wouldn't give a, a, a nickname to. Like, yeah. You just, it doesn't Kesson? need a definitive article before no. it. Also, yeah. Because I was like, oh, I hadn't heard that before. I hope to never hear it again. Um, He was terrible in the car. And we get to the place and my sister is calling him my millennial. At this point, we have found out. She's like, how old are you? And I was like, don't answer that because I didn't want to know. He looked 27 and I wanted him to be 27. Once he said the Kesson, I was like, well, now I don't quite want him to be 27 because he's a stone cold idiot if he's talking like that at 27. But I don't want to I don't want anyone to be younger than Nicole. So he was 23. Who? <laughs> Which is younger than your daughter? Which is younger than my daughter. And I was like, I can't do this. But then in my head, I'm like, these are the kind of defenses that you come up with so that you never end up sleeping with anybody. Just do it. It'll be a story he'll tell for the rest of his life. Just fucking do it. It will be a funny story for you. We get to my sister's house and my sister and I have to trade bras. And why do you have to? (laughs) I had given her my bra and then had to wear two of her bras to make up for my bra. Long story. She got fake boobs. Her bras don't fit. Whatever. Uh, We disrobe in front of her boyfriend and are just switching bras um, while my millennial is in the the bathroom. This is a story he's going to tell for the rest of his life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He then loudly says to his friends, because I don't hear this and my sister doesn't tell me this the next day, says loudly to his friends... Yo, don't be mad because I get to take home the old bitch. (laughs) (sighs) I wish they had told me that he said that because at this point I'm like, I'm an asshole if I just tell him to Uber home. But I am also staying out in Middletown and would love to just make him him go home. (laughs) I don't want to do this at all. Right. So if I had heard him say that, I could have feigned offense and just been like, uh, you called me old and kicked him out. But I sh- they don't tell me this. They're crying when I come downstairs. He gets in the car and uh, I drive him back to his house. And during that drive, we on our 45 minute drive. He is uh, mostly just saying in between calling me baby girl. He is saying, which is better than old bitch. Yeah, it is better than old bitch. 
Uh, yo, happy new year, yo. And, uh, I was like, this is bad. There's people calling him trying to get into his house and he's real nervous about them getting into his house. And then I'm like, there's people at your house. Like I asked if anyone was going to be there. I'm not fucking doing this. And there's just this battle in my head about whether or not, uh, I'm going to do this. And, uh, I fucking wish I hadn't, but now we have crossed over into this is going to be a great story, so now I have to do it. I have to do it because I can never pass up an opportunity to have a funny life experience. Um, See the Pawtucket Red Sox. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they could get hard, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, was this guy a stone-cold idiot or very, very intoxicated he was drinking vodka red bulls which give you this kind of lucid drunk to where if he had been stumbling or eyes were like he, he visibly looked not drunk at all and spoke as if he wasn't uh drunk in the bar like you don't think he wasn't yo slurring. happy new year yo no that's he's an idiot like okay. he's definitely an idiot when he's sober i okay. mean i don't know there was a calculus textbook on his uh desk so maybe he's so he's pretty smart for a 12th grader <laughs> So at least that fuck we get in his house and he tried to like uh finger pop me in the car what and it was so bad um and uh finger, do you say finger pop yeah finger pop sounds like a, a, a candy i would buy for my <laughs> child uh it's another word for finger bang Dad, it's a we... funny word for finger bang it's a more accurate description of what this dude was trying to do what it felt like he was trying to do was drill a hole into the side of my thigh with his fingernail not very good aim <laughs> we get into his house and uh stay on target stay on target um he wants me to like hang out with his friends. And now I'm paranoid Wait, about so he's got friends. He has friends having a, a kegger in his house or whatever. And oh. I don't want in. His, sorry. In what is obviously his parents house. <laughs> Why is it obvious? We are walking through the garage and there's that like shoe shelf thing by the door that has multiple sizes of shoes. And I was like, whose house is this? And he was like, it's mine. And I was like, oh, it's definitely his parents' house. But it's it, the Kesson is very expensive. <laughs> we get to the kitchen where people are at. And now I'm paranoid about being recognized. Um, not like oh, I'm being... Oh, Jesus. Come Jesse. on. Not like I'm being recognized on the street. But I've... Uh, I believe it's come up that I'm a comedian. I'm from Delaware. Uh, people in Delaware know. So I have my hair down in front of my face. I don't get recognized a ton, but I do not want anyone to know that this is me. So I have uh, my hood up and I have my hair down in front of my face. And I'm because this is my worst nightmares. Anybody finding out that like anyone else telling this story? I say, yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> Because the my worst nightmare is that they went finding out about this as I speak into a microphone. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think uh, they're our demographic. Okay, but, true. Um, I wanted to be the one. You know, I don't know. I didn't want. I just wanted to not be it's there. Your story, exactly. Not their story. My funny story. I mean, I'm sure they're telling the story, but I look like uh, 
just a mom that uh, got out of the house for the first time in uh, six years. And uh, I was like, can I go to your room? Because I don't want to hang out with your friends. And so he takes me to the room and he walks me in and he says, oh, baby girl. Oh, baby girl, you're so lucky. It's going down or something. But I can't talk like he talks because I'm not a fucking idiot. Um, And then he leaves me in the room. You want water, he says. And I say, yeah. And he leaves me in the room. Once he shuts the door, I realize that there is a Nerf basketball hoop hanging on the back of the door. No. No. Where's his calculus textbook Uh, And then I am laughing and I turn around and on the desk is the calculus textbook. And then I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? This did seem like the master bedroom though so i don't know how Do they have any tech decks those <laughs> little finger skins <laughs> i pretty much know his dick's not gonna work already and uh i just feel and like even if it did you'd just be putting into the side of your thigh yeah just <laughs> exactly burrowing it into your um i had uh yeah, so I pretty much know his dick's not going to work, and I don't know why I'm not pulling the plug on this. Uh, like now, I don't know what what I'm like what I'm doing. There, I'm, there's this conflict inside of me. He comes back in, we make out, making out's fine. Uh, he tries to do things to me. They're all terrible. Uh, I've now I'm now positive that his dick not just uh, he he tries to to finger me again. It's bad. Mm-hmm. And he tries to eat me out as bad. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I I just want out. And um, I'm like, yeah, we can just try this another time. And uh, I have to like really hammer out. Like he doesn't realize his dick's not going to work. And then finally when he, I'm like, You're, this isn't happening. And then he's like, uh, like I'm looking for my socks. And he leans over and is like, yo, I'm going to fuck you so hard in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) And I just die laughing. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm not spending the night here. I'm trying to find my fucking sock. So then he says, uh, leave a sock behind the yeah sock isn't i mean worth, i should have just run out you just, yeah oh god why did i do it at panties all? i say you know look for them if you but socks leave socks behind also i think i've said those words before that i'm gonna fuck you so hard in the morning <laughs> yeah i think i have uh whiskey dick um i i mean i did though i did i did fuck her hard in the morning that yeah that's great um, I was not going to hang like out and wait for mom and dad and to come back jets. from the fucking Poconos and find uh, <laughs> uh, their their peer waiting in their fucking son's bedroom. Jesus Christ, Jessica, get your shit together. So I, I leave and have to walk through a sea of his friends that are now hanging out in the garage. It's very awkward. And then I get out to my car and I start laughing. Uh... As I hear them start laughing. <laughs> and but right as I'm walking out, he was like, Well, how do I get a hold of you again? And I was like, We are on Instagram. We're friends on Instagram. And he's like, Oh, okay. 
So as soon as I get out to the car, before I even put the, the GPS settings to get back to my parents' house, I block him on Instagram and then I go onto Tinder and I change my settings uh, to 30 and above. Because, you know, before that, it was like younger guys <laughs> that I never actually go out with. And you're like, but never again. I'm like so grossed out. And I yeah. can't do any more Nerf basketball no. <laughs> tournaments. You had a, a way better time than I did. It was way so much better. It was so fun. Dude, the kid was hype. He was wired on sugar. He stayed up all the way till midnight. I did not think he would. He would not let us go to sleep early. Never ending story ended at like 11. And I was like, all right, well, now we'll go to sleep. And he was like, absolutely not. We'll start Thor instead. And I just, I had to play a movie because I was too, I was too tired to entertain this kid for another hour. So we watch Never Ending Story. We have a really cute countdown and have a really fun night together. The next day he goes back to his mom's house and I've got a few days to myself, so I just get high and watch movies. I I watch slash played Bandersnatch, uh, which uh, we've been talking about in the Facebook group. It was so fucking cool, such a fun thought experiment to sit and think about the nature of my reality. Do I have free will? Do I get to make my own choices? Am I, it's so, it's so cool because like even like, so the, the main character is struggling with the, the same questions that I think about. And he's like, am I in charge? What are, uh, what's making me choose these things? But even you as the player, only have a semblance of free will like you can only pick the choices that netflix allows you to pick like it's just super fun to sit and like talk about with your like i recommend playing it or watching it with your with a friend someone who maybe who's already watched it and uh it's it's so much fun and these are all the things that i love to think about you know like we talk about the voices in our head and the things that tell us to do things and is that really us and and stuff but I will say that it was really cool to watch Bandersnatch after having watched Never Ending Story because Never Ending Story has just uh, similar, a couple of similar elements to Bandersnatch. Just the fact that there is a, uh, a reader, like we are the viewer, the reader who's reading the story, Bastion is reading the story, but then they inter they interact in certain ways, you know, and then he like comes face to face with characters in the story. His, his decisions like affect uh, how the story plays out, much like uh, how you do in, in Bandersnatch, you know. And so like I was really on this line of thinking and I was like talking to my roommates and, and stuff about uh, free will and nature of reality and stuff like that. And then... I watched a movie that Jessa bought for me a year ago. A year ago, she bought me a movie called Revolver. It's a Guy Ritchie film starring Jason Statham and Andre 3000 for some reason. <laughs> you guys remember when Andre 3000 was in movies? He was for a minute. Um, he was in this one. And it is almost unwatchable. <laughs> Almost. It's not, a great oh, movie. it's not. It's not. I'm going to highly recommend it right now, but I just with the with the caveat that it's not good. This was actually the fourth time I had started it. I had started it three times before, was never able to get past the halfway point. But I swear to God, it's almost like they made a purposely bad film so they could hide this this treasure at the end because it broke my mind. Like the, and and it's 
there it, like on the on the Blu-ray cover, it says like, oh, with a with a twist that you won't believe with a psychological ending that, you know, whatever. And, and everyone I, uh, hated it. Like uh, everyone who wasn't supposed to get it did not. They get didn't. It. No. Because I, there are movies that like advertise that those twists and stuff. And it's not that huge of a of a twist in plot I would say but it's just the the way the twist plays out and you are when you see what the movie was actually about the whole time you it changes what the movie was about uh like what the message for it was and the message at the end was really cool to me the the message at the end the end credits roll and they have psychiatrists or philosophers or doctors I don't know they have a series of people that are like speaking through the credits telling you what the movie is about and um they are talking about the the ego and they say um that the the entire world is imprisoned and no one knows no one knows that they are in prison with their ego. And then this other psychiatrist says, the greatest con in the history of the world is I am you. And that our ego has told us that it is us and we are it and it's a lie. That the voice in your head is not actually you. And uh, that's something that I had been thinking about, you know, for a while. Do you remember when I had that Anthony Bourdain moment where I was reading that article after he died and they were describing his depression as a, as a constant critical companion. Yeah. And I was like, Oh shit, you mean that voice isn't me? There's an exact moment like that in the movie where Jason Statham talks in his head and Andre 3000, the, the pillar of wisdom that he is says, uh, you've been listening to that voice for so long. You actually think it's you. And, and he like has this paradigm shift that I that felt exactly like what I went through that night uh, on my bed. And so it, and just to put it in terms like that, like it's a con, like it's a lie. This voice that talks in your head isn't you. He has you in prison and you're in this prison of the ego. And then this other psychiatrist starts talking and he says, no matter what he, meaning the ego, no matter what he tells you, there is no such thing as an external enemy. Anyone you view in this physical world as an enemy is truly just a projection of your ego being played on a different person. There's no way for another person to be your enemy or to injure you. You only have one enemy and it's in your head. And I was like, oh, fuck. Keep in mind, I'm very stoned. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is this is life changing. But I really felt like I had this break where my entire world shifted. There is before revolver and after revolver. And I uh, went right after that to Aquaman, which um uh, has no philosophical twist. There's no, there's no payoff in Aquaman whatsoever. Okay, but something about the magical combination of of never-ending story, Bandersnatch, Revolver, Aquaman really did it for me. Now it, um, I went to Aquaman because Ethan wanted me to go on Christmas break. Ethan was saying he really wanted me and his mom to do something together, and he said that he wanted us to see a movie together. And he said he want, and I was like, you were. We brought up Aquaman and he said, yeah. And he said that to me and I was like, okay, cool. 
sure. I said yes to him, but what? And then he didn't really bring it up again after that. And then his mom comes and picks him up on the first. And she is not even like in the car yet when she calls me and tells me that he is already asking her if we can all go see a movie together. So that touched me that like it was on his mind yeah. so much oh. that he like the second he sees his mom, he's like, can we do he calls it a play date. He wanted us three to <laughs> he wanted us three to have a play date and see a movie together. And she calls me and says, do you want to do it? And I say, yeah, of course I want to do it. And she says, me too. But I think she's saying that because she's in front of him. And of course she's going to say that. Keep in mind, guys, we have never done anything like this. She left about three years ago. The, the, the most time we've spent together has just been like a few minutes and during handoffs or like once we went to a park or something while he played and we like just watched him play or something, you know, uh, and it was awkward as hell. We have not done anything together. And so I'm not really expecting her to follow through on this. The next day she texts me and says, do you want to, do you really want to go? What's good for you? And I was like, I mean, anytime's good for me. I'm not doing anything. Uh, but, uh, but getting high and watching Jason Statham, you know, I didn't, I left that detail out in my text, but she, <laughs> we make a time to go see Aquaman and, and it's time, it's time to go as soon as revolver ends. Uh, and, uh, I like I had time to shower and change and my mind is just running this whole thing over and over again. You have no no external enemies. There's no external enemies. There are no external enemies. And I go to the movie with that in my mind. And for the last few years I haven't had a bigger external enemy than than her. Right. Um Tabitha's been my external enemy number 1 for a while. And so I'm going to this thinking about how she's not really my enemy and how it's impossible for her to be my enemy. And if, um, like, really my enemy is my own ego and he's the one that is hurt and he is making her out to be the enemy so he has a, a reason to justify his anger and his pain, he's, she, she's just a projection of, of my own problems. And I just start thinking about that and uh, have a very just whatever experience i think it was awkward for everyone but like everyone still had a pretty good time it was amazing to see how happy ethan was ethan was thrilled to have Aww. his mom and dad together in the same place just you get he was behaving very strangely but like you could tell he was behaving weird because he was so excited yeah. he was like being extra playful he's being like cutesy baby talk which he never does and is trying to be playful with the popcorn and stuff and um and he's just he's just really happy. We took a photo in a photo booth at the end of the movie. Like the, all three of us got into a photo booth and they printed out three copies and we each got one and he was thrilled about it. And I walked him to their car. And the whole time, sad thoughts have tried to creep into my head. Like if they, the way that, that uh, she wanted him to sit next to her. Like there's a thought in my head that's like, oh, well, maybe that's not maybe fair. And I was like, that's my ego. Hey, ego, shut up. You're not me. I already, I figured it out. You're not me. I don't have to listen to you. And it's, and it was powerful feeling. It was cool. But as I was walking away from their car and walking back to mine, the, all those sad thoughts were just, were creeping up on me. And I thought, why don't you just take a minute and just sit in, in the sadness for a little bit. And, um, let's really conf like not giving into the ego, but like I wanted to confront the ego like, okay, let's examine why this hurts so much. 
what is it about you that can't handle this and let's fix it type thing. I sat down in my car and just started crying in the the best kind of way, good kind of crying. I turned my radio on and it was a song about a breakup and the lyrics are all just about like, I used to love you but now I don't type stuff and I'm just crying harder. And uh, I just said out loud, you know, like I'm sad, be- like this is what I wanted. I wanted, I thought we were a family. We would always be doing movies like this together and it sucks that we don't. You broke my heart and it sucks. And I'm just crying and crying. And uh, I just felt like I let so much anger and hate go. Like it just, it was, it dissipated in a matter of minutes in my car. Uh, and while list, the name of that song, there was a breakup song, Lucid Dream. Yeah. Lucid Dream is the name of the song. I had to look it up. Uh, later and it felt it felt like I was in some that whole day just so strange and I stopped seeing Tabitha as my enemy and I saw her side of things and I I just talked to my ego about what was hurting him and we just just kind of took that pain away and let it go and then my body felt bigger I felt like I had more room in my body like suddenly there was a lot more space still uh in my body um again I'm I'm still high I don't know but it it was a powerful uh experience for me where I felt like I really learned something and overcame something and uh you know it was really cool you were just, you know, sucking off half-hard 23-year-old dicks yeah. <laughs> in the Kesson. I was making real progress in my emotional well-being. So I, of course, flop on my 2019, yo! <laughs> yo, happy new year, yo! So I, of course, flop on my parents' couch the next morning and tell my parents this story. And when I leave the house, my dad texts me and said, hey, we just got a call from CPS in the Kesson. <laughs> Somebody's missing their little basketball. Do you know anything about it? And I was like, all I got was a deflated bat. And that's uh, how my family talks about dicks. Um, you guys also trade bras. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, I we're still don't get close. the math. So you had to put on two of her bras? To equal one of yours? Yeah, so uh, I have to wear very padded bras because I am not proportionate. So the rest of my body is very big compared to uh, my <laughs> chest. I've got... Um, so I had a very padded, larger bra. And my sister, before she got her boob job, had like A's. And so I gave her my bra because it f- held her new fake boobs better but then it wasn't going to fill in my dress correctly to wear one bra so i wore two of her bras and i was just like i'm not gonna peel these off uh <laughs> and it, she it was so grossed out because they were so wet for me dancing. <laughs> but we we're just both tits out in front of her boyfriend it was great uh that is the reason I got you that movie, first of all, was a year ago. And don't you think it's crazy how I didn't watch it until the right time? Till exactly the right time. I the, if I had seen that movie before that Anthony Bourdain experience, 
I don't think it would have been it would have been the same. And it was also like I needed that reminder that the voice wasn't mine. Like I had that experience, but I'd forgotten it. And it was just so it was so perfectly serendipitous the way that I and that I watched it right before I went out and hung with and your enemy. with with Tabitha with 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 external enemy number one. I uh I really felt like I watched it at the exact right time. I felt bad for a year that I never watched this movie that you got for me. And then suddenly it was the right time. So about that movie, uh, that movie's old and not very popular and was very difficult to find on Amazon. And the Blu-ray was much easier to find, but I knew that you didn't have a Blu-ray player. So I think I had to spend $40 to get, the DVD version where I could have got the Blu-ray for 10 bucks or whatever. It was something, it was a lot more. It was more than double. Uh, and then they still sent you the Blu-ray. Which kept me from watching it. Which kept you from watching it. And I knew um, that there was a reason for that, that it wasn't time for you to see it yet. And then when like a year went by, I was like, I guess he's never going to watch it. I even tried to facilitate opportunities for you to see it and it never worked out. Um, it worked out exactly how it was supposed to, when it was supposed to. And I, this experience that you're talking about, I've had a lot of these experiences, but this experience that you're talking about reminds me of, I think my original awakening experience, which was when I was counseling the girlfriend of my Ukrainian boyfriend, who was my ex best friend. I got stuck with her at a party like the next weekend and they were fighting. And so now I am helping the person who stole my boyfriend. She didn't steal my boyfriend. I broke up with him. But like I broke up with him and still had feelings for him. Sure, sure, sure. And um, she was having a freak out and he was being mean to her and was just like, I don't want to deal with her shit because he's an avoidant ass. And I went in and was helping her with feelings for someone that I still probably on some level had feelings for. And I was high but I was doing it earnestly. Like I was able to just separate from my own feelings and try to make her feel better, even though I was mad at her and try to help them make it, even though uh, I didn't want them to make it, you know? And I said to her, and I've said this before on the podcast, but I said to her, and this is groundbreaking in 2000, none of this is a fact like nothing outside of you good or bad can affect you you are choosing to let it affect you you are having these experiences you are making a decision of how it affects you it cannot innately affect you good or bad without you making a decision and as I'm saying this I have no idea where this is coming from I didn't talk like this before this day I was nothing like this I was a I was a huge bully at this point in my life this is like my bully phase I start running my own life experiences through that. As I'm talking to her, I'm like, is this true? And then I'm running through getting molested when I was a kid. Shit that happened with my mom. And all of a sudden, I feel like I have stepped back for the first time into this macrocosmic view where all of a sudden I'm looking at my life as a series of things that happened that I placed value judgments on that I decided were good or bad that I wrote the narrative of my own story and that was my first awakening paradigm shift and I died within four hours was my near-death experience no way 
And so when he talks about how you have this revelation and then you have this, your brain is like, wait, here's a new piece of information and we have to run all of this information. So let's go find our external enemy and see if this is true. The thing that you're describing with your body, and I haven't gotten full ascension on this podcast yet, but... Yeah, guys, wait till she goes full ascension on your Full ass. ascension. I get so much weirder. I believe that we are going from a three-dimensional reality oh, to a comes. higher dimensional reality. Is I loosely believe that. I believe there is a timeline where that is the case. Yeah. The theory behind us ascending is that we our bodies will also change and they will become less dense like light bodies and holographic almost. I don't understand it because I haven't seen it yet. But sickness and disease and aging and death will all cease to exist and these are all things that the aliens told me um and they are things that i feel like i see evidence of now but our bodies will become more of energetic beings and less of dense physical energy but the only way to get to those higher dimensions and to graduate to those higher levels of the game is to beat all of this programming and the programming is all pain, fear, attachment, uh, uh, trauma, all of these things. So as you are getting these revelations and beating these levels and, and treating your pain and trauma like it is a video game, like treat it like it is a video game. This is not you're sad right now, you're depressed right now. Like that is not who you are. That is not an innate state of being. That is where you're at right now. And you can learn strategies to use that pain to find the thing that needs to be healed so that you can then line yourself up to have this kind of revelation. So had you watched Revolver a year ago, you weren't ready and you wouldn't have understood it. And you would have been like the millions of people that watched that movie and were like, what is this movie about? Because it's not for them. And I've talked about before when I talk about like awakening stuff and like higher dimensional uh, consciousness stuff, people, the way that people tune me out and then you've seen it. You've seen the way that people who aren't supposed to hear it yet will suddenly get so weirdly distracted mm -hmm. because they don't have ears to hear uh, another thing that I think perhaps the Bible was talking about awakening. Hmm. I also think Guy Ritchie could have made a better movie. That like, is true. I think more people would have had ears to hear if there was something good for them to hear it. You know, it's there is a lot of cheese and like hack weird shit. Like nothing makes sense in that movie until the end. Which, but like still not I don't know it's not it's not great but it's like now one of my favorite movies yeah it's my favorite movie but I when I tell people that they're like what yeah it's like I'm like I can't I said I'm not going to defend uh this movie uh but there, you have to watch it there's uh, there's some gems there's some gems there there's a part where it turns into a cartoon for some reason. Uh, do you remember that part? Do you yeah. remember when I was texting you? I was like, why the fuck is it a cartoon right now? What's happening? And you're like, Aaron, you need to pay attention. <laughs> I think that when you get into the level of like consciousness and stuff, reality starting to feel like that to me. It's starting to feel everything moves so fast and changes so fast and the feelings are changing so fast and the revelations are coming so fucking fast 
that I feel, I think back to two months ago and I'm like, oh my God, who was that person? And I'm someone that evolves and changes quickly, but the landscape of my reality is so different one week to the next that it does feel like it's a cartoon sometimes. So yeah, me now in 2019, I am working on this idea of not listening to my ego. And I, I, for a few days afterwards, I lived in this magical, surreal place. I felt so strong and powerful and happy and things that normally would be tearing me apart and making me really sad just didn't. I felt uh, disconnected in a very good and healthy way. But then as time passed, I felt like I stepped out of that dream and back into this real world. And suddenly like my ego is bossing me around again. Oh man. Like I remember when I got, I was getting dressed after I took the shower and like I was getting ready to go to the movie. I was feeling like a lot of people after the holidays, I was feeling fat. I was feeling gross. I felt like I didn't look attractive or anything. And I wanted to, I want Tabitha to see me at my most attractive and stuff. And I was thinking, I heard, well, not me. I wasn't thinking. I heard all these thoughts that about like, Oh, you're fat, you're gross. And I like immediately caught them for what they were. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, why are you always saying such mean shit to me, man? And I said, am I just that much easier to control if I hate myself? And I felt so, and like, and then that voice shut the fuck up. It just had no, it, it felt pathetic. It felt like a last, like Hail Mary, last ditch attempt to try, like it was losing. And so then it was like, oh yeah, yeah, well, uh, your love handles are back. And I was like, <laughs> get the fuck out of here, dude. You have, you've lost, you've got no more power. But then a few days later, all those, the, he keeps trying all those thoughts just like come back, you know? Uh, and I, I, I'm kind of right now, that was like a week ago, right? I'm kind of on feeling a little down right now. Like I, I just had this magical, uh, uh, higher, experience nirvana spiritual experience whatever and i thought that i was going to be changed forever i thought that i was a new man 2019 and i'm already kind of back to the old it's like two steps forward one step back that's how it uh has to work so the i guess this is what people are calling ego death or they're talking about like on mushrooms no i looked up ego death and i talked to my roommate whitney about it so like right afterwards someone on Facebook post something about ego death. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And I texted you about it right away. And I thought maybe I had experienced that, but it, they sound like when they use that term, they're talking about something total. They're talking about like, yeah, being on acid or mushrooms and getting so high that, uh, you like lose scent. Like my roommate Your sense of self. Yeah. My roommate Whitney said he had to remind himself what human beings were, that he was a human being. Everything becomes and, so abstract. Yeah, yeah. So abstract. Like he was freaking the fuck out because, uh, he was gone from like this reality and he was just like, I, he didn't know what he was. He didn't know what his consciousness was anymore. And like, uh, so, and like there are similarities there, yeah. but like mine sounded like a way more, in control experience like a much tamer thing than than like this this drug experience people are talking about so i am now playing with the idea that we have many of us living inside of us and that it's not just higher self and the ego but i um 
my experience with trying to kill my ego was it was pretty easy to control when I was on drugs. Like I woke up and I spent so much time talking to the aliens and kind of living in this alternate reality that I became pretty aware of the ego and knew when I was letting it do whatever it wanted and kind of had this symbiotic relationship with it. And then I got clean and went back to sleep and just forgot everything for a few years. And when I woke back up, now I'm living in society. I'm immersed immersed in society. And I think that society and programming play a huge role in your relationship with the ego because you are kind of programmed to be looking for validation for someone outside of your true self anyway. The ego also gets hella triggered by everyone else. And I spent years, years trying to figure out how to stay awake, trying to, I would have these revelations where you go up into the, the ether and you download some higher knowledge and you're high on it for a few days and everything's a paradigm shift. And then you feel like you crash back down to earth. You feel like you wait, you know, you wake up or go back to sleep. That's why I would call it sleeping in the dream because it's like, I know this isn't real, but it feels so real. Everything feels so real that I can't get back up to that, uh, RPG control panel. I'm stuck here in this, in this, uh, first person shooter thing. And when I, I, first person shooter to me is the ego. And so I need the ego to experience this first person shooter experience, but separating from the pain and the, uh, judgments of the ego is difficult. So I did a lot of research on killing the ego and at one point I found something which I think was Osho that talked about you don't kill it like it's a part of you it's supposed to be a part of you and I started to see it as a just annoying roommate and so when I'm feeling pain or embarrassment is a big one or shame I know that's the ego it's something with the ego and I, do, I know that's not reality. I know that that's a feeling that the ego is having. I try to throw the ego a bone with stand-up comedy. And I, I work around it very much like an annoying roommate. I let it be itself. But also, I feel like I trained my ego to not get to run its mouth like and that had a lot to do with my own self-love but at one point I had post-it notes like up all over the house reminding me to stay awake and reminding me to um that there is an ego that there is an ego in there now I feel like this year I have unearthed so many different aspects of myself that I think a lot of what I was calling the ego is a combination of all these different aspects of myself and so that's kind of the sub-personality stuff that we talked about one day I was, and I know this is going to come as a shock to you, I was about to masturbate. <laughs> and I thought about why I wanted to and who wanted me to. And I was like, I don't think this is necessarily healthy. I think that uh, the ego likes to do this. I think this makes the ego feel better. And... I was like, okay, I had, I already had like Pornhub open, like I had it open (laughs) and I just opened another tab 
didn't even close it. I was like, you know, who knows? I might come back. I might come back to this. You know, we're not sure. But I opened another tab and I just put in ego prison and did a Google search. Uh, and I was like, I want to learn more about this. And I found some articles as perused that most of it was just like weird bullshit stuff but they even in the in like the shady like i'm a guru selling my shit websites um there were still like little gems that i would find and one of them explained more about what the ego's purpose is this was not from like a spiritual guru sense this was like more of like a journal of medicine type thing and that was really helpful to me to see why we have it because the ego gives this, it said, it gives us our sense of self and se sense of separation from other people and that that is important to be your own person. And that's what makes humans human, you know, like you've got this, you have a strong sense of self. But if you only have, if you give into your ego, you will never connect with other people properly. You will never grow and learn from other people the way that you could if you were experiencing a uh, more of a, an otherness rather than just like yourself. And so this other this other part of you um, that exists can do that. And this, then, then I started reading stuff about meditation, which I thought maybe I don't know what meditation is at all. But they, uh, because I just thought it was just like, I don't know, t quiet time. Right. And you just need to learn how to be, be quiet or something. But like, it's really getting in touch with this other you. So this exercise that I started reading was like, stop thinking. Try to not think for a second. And I really could only do it for a second. Right. It's hard because you, I can keep, I can keep a blank space for a second. And then I start thinking about how it's a blank space. And then suddenly I start hearing the thoughts going, but like they said, like, see if you can hold in that moment where there are no thoughts, there are no words as you're not hearing any voice in your head, sit there. Did you cease to exist? No, you are more than your thoughts. There's something else there. If you, if you do not, if, you, if the ego isn't talking, you still exist. And, uh, I thought that was, that was really cool. And then I read in a different thing that talked about, you don't have to destroy the ego, like you were saying, but you can treat it like a familiar room. You can come back to, you can go in and out of that room. If you want to, you know, there are, t there are times where the ego is important and helpful and you can go back into that room and be there, but you don't have to be in that prison. That doesn't that room doesn't have to be a prison. There's other places in this house you can go. You can walk outside. You can do anything else. But the ego wants you to stay there. It wants you right. to stay there, like uh, the Hill House. You know. I think this was good. This was very good. This is a good start to 2019, yo. Uh, we've. Um, Got some, some shows coming up. We're going to be in Glendale, Arizona on January 26th. We are going to be in Houston February 1st and 2nd. That's the one in Texas, by the way. And we are going to be in Boise and Burley in uh, Idaho on February 15th and 16th. And we are going to be in las vegas nevada february 23rd and back to salt lake city on february 24th so uh and then what's are we going to minneapolis in march we are going to minneapolis in march and yeah march 7th through the 9th so uh go to mormon in the check out the 
the tour dates for more details and how to get tickets and stuff. But uh, those are the towns we're coming to. So can't wait to uh, see you guys there. And I, I know I'm kind of fucking this up right now, but baby girl, I cannot wait to fuck you <laughs> in the morning. Yo. I will do this show promo so much yo. better in the morning. Happy New Year, yo. If you put a Mormon and a Meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all just so read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. p.m. emails from your boss, surprise visits from in-laws, missing soccer cleats. Lucky California knows it's easy to get thrown off schedule. Let us help you out with home delivery powered by Instacart. You can get groceries delivered in as fast as one hour, including fresh produce and fresh baked bakery items. Right now, you can save $10 when you spend $50 using promo code LUCKYCA10. Place your order at shop.luckysupermarkets.com. Lucky California, the golden state of eating.